Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to a very special episode of The Fumble, and it's special for one reason and one reason only. We are actually recording this on a Sunday morning prior to the NFL games a little bit later on, prior to week five. Week five, Darren, we've made it so far. We've only had one major blip because of COVID-19. Fans are slowly trickling back into NFL stadiums. Is this the light at the end of the tunnel, or... If rumours abound, should be we should we be more worried about what's going on with COVID nineteen and the NFL? Well, I did a, a piece on Five Live last week about exactly this, and we did half an hour on on on, on the NFL, and I think we took probably twenty minutes talking about COVID and how they're handling it and what they're doing. And the big difference in in the NFL. Hello, by the way. I didn't say hello, did I? Just yeah. said, hello. Straight into it, as always, Darren. Itching hello. to go. Itching you, to go. Hello. hello. No, <laughs> but it is quite a serious subject to start with, isn't it? But what I, what, I, what I did say was they are totally different to the other mainstream American sports. So the, the Major League Baseball playoffs are taking place at the moment, and they're all in bubbles and... They're playing games on neutral sites. So the Rays have just beaten the Yankees, but the series was played in San Diego. <clears throat> We're just seeing the NBA Finals where the Lakers are playing the Heat and the rest of the regular season, the playoffs, and now the finals are all taking place at Disney and, and the players are all in bubbles. Situation with the NFL is that, yeah, they wear masks at the facility and they take the tests and all that kind of thing, but then they go home and they're free to move around. And when you think about the number of people associated with an NFL team, you know, when you think you've got 53 players, then you've got a practice squad, you've got all the coaches and everything else. You're talking well over 100 individuals per, per team who are literally going in and out of the facility on a daily basis. So, well over 100. Yeah, so the, so the likelihood that, that somebody's going to catch the virus and then spread it if you don't meticulously follow the guidelines, um, I think we're seeing it now. But I think the worry is... And I was watching Pro Football Talk the other day. Mike Florio was talking to Peter King about it. 
there are rumours, allegations, suggestions, whatever you want to call them, that the, the situation was, was bad in Tennessee because a lot of those guidelines weren't being followed, that coaches were coaching without masks during the week, that players were walking around without masks, that players were congregating together in, in situations where they, where they weren't allowed. So it seems to be that they've not helped themselves and they are the worst affected team in the league. What they're suggesting now is that the punishments could be quite draconian for Tennessee, that they might lose a first-round draft pick, it's being suggested at the moment, because that's the way they're going to get the message across to make sure the season finishes. But you're talking about millions of dollars in fines or you're talking about draft picks being taken away for what they've done. At the moment, Roger Goodell's not decided upon that and the investigation's ongoing. But this is your problem, that... If you're going to operate outside a bubble and then people aren't going to follow the guidelines, the likelihood is you're going to get COVID-19 and that's then going to spread like wildfire through the locker room. So it, it's a big story at the moment. The good news is that Tennessee have had a few days now without the positive test. So things seem to be trending back in the right direction for them. But we are also moving to the stage for, and I'm not going to labour the point too long, but they're already starting to look at now where they could potentially play week 18, would they need week 19? Where can the, what date is the Super Bowl going to be moved to? So there are now discussions taking place that suggest the season might not finish the way that it started. And we've got this situation this week where there are games on Sunday night, Monday night and Tuesday night. So there's not going to be a Thursday night game this week because of the Tuesday night game. So the schedule now is starting to become a lot more flexible through necessity because of the volumes of, of cases that they're finding. So this is a really serious situation. I wouldn't say at this stage the season is in jeopardy, but I don't think it needs to degenerate too much further for that to become a genuine concern for the league. Yeah, I totally agree. And one thing that I think has been completely missed by the NFL and probably other major sporting leagues is we know that 2020 isn't a normal year. 2020... You could get away with doing anything different because people now have that mindset of, do you know what? Anything can happen this year. So one question I would, I would pose to Roger Goodell and the NFL New York office is because 2020 isn't a regular year and because of the situation with COVID-19 and anything can happen when and we know the serious of the infection, why didn't they just step back and say, okay, we have one bye week already for each team. In case of infection, let's put in another possibly three bye weeks, and extend the season so that we can have that two-week period to test, 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 and make sure that no one in any team has the virus for a prolonged period of time. Because there's no reason why the Super Bowl has to be in February. Because 2020 is different. Yeah. So although Tampa is, and we know we've been there, it takes a long time for a city to set up for a Super Bowl. There are so many logistical issues in a Super Bowl city. But because of what's going on, why can't they just say we're going to extend the season, we're going to give two uh, extra free weeks to the teams and we'll put the Super Bowl maybe at the beginning of April. Let's extend it, let's make sure that everyone's healthy and everything's all right. And whatever the impact is going to be, that's it. Because that will run into uh, players' holidays, players' vacation, players' rest, it'll run into to camp. But who cares? You've got to get a season of all the star players because let's not forget, Darren, that the star players are the players that make the NFL. 
Yeah. Because all players are disposable at the click of a finger. We know that. It's a brutal business. But it's the stars. It's the names on the backs of the jerseys that you've got to look after to keep the business alive. I, I agree. I agree. But I wonder whether the step will be to put them into bubbles. I mean, they do, it, they do it during training camp where they've got more players. They've got surely to. At some stage this season, if it starts to get worse, you have to then say, to finish the season, you're going to have to go into a bubble. I would think at that stage, you then have to give players the chance to opt out again if they don't want to do it, which they did before the season started. And some did. Yeah. yeah. So I would think at that stage, you've got to do that. But I, I look at it at the moment. The only way I think you are going to finish the season on time is to put them in bubbles. Because Tennessee aren't going to be the only team. Because I go back to what I said at the start. There are so many people involved. Yeah. It's impossible to be lucky. Yeah. I'm going to catch it and spread it. And, and Darren, it doesn't matter if you're the head coach or yeah. if you're the guy that cleans the water bottles. Yeah. You're Both be... are susceptible to the yeah. virus. It doesn't pick and choose. You've the, got flip the, the flip side of this, what you're going to see tonight, and I'm just waiting to see whether it happens. So Florida have now gone to maximum capacity again, haven't they, in bars and restaurants? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the Dolphins, I'm told, can have 65,000 in the stadium. So you're going to see this situation where the Bears play in front of nobody and a lot of teams are like that. Then Miami are going to play in front of 65,000 for the remainder of their home game. So you've got this really um, mixed up situation where it's not a level playing field. So this is also a factor now that, that some teams, as the, the rules change in the US, some teams are going to be able to play to either full capacity stadiums or near full. Because I would presume that if, if Miami can do it, I would presume that pretty soon Tampa and Jacksonville would be able to do that as well. Tampa and Jacksonville have had supporters in the stadiums already. So you would think that those numbers would increase and maybe go to maximum. So then you're talking about a team like Tampa Bay, who are one of the favoured teams to get to the Super Bowl, having a huge home field advantage that they would have a full house. So if they play the Saints at home in a big game that really matters, they've got a full stadium, which is really going to help them and really going to disrupt Drew Brees and the offense. So you're starting to get a playing field that's not level in a league where they want fairness and parity. So there are lots and lots of different things now starting to pop up, which I'm sure they planned for and I'm sure they knew were going to happen. But I almost get the impression that they wished or really hoped that it won't. But it yeah. is. So here we are. So it's going to, it, is, it goes back to your point and backs it up brilliantly that 2020, is, the season is unlike any other. So they've got to work out how it works best. And also, Darren, in, in, in Florida, if he's going to, if the governor of Florida, which he has, has opened up all venues and stadiums, imagine the student population in Florida. Yeah. How that's mixing. I, I, had a, I had a lunch, I had a meeting with a friend of mine who's the facilities manager at one of the universities in central London. And he said it, uh, it took two students to infect more than 200. Yeah, because of the way that they're mixing in halls of residence, the way that they're socialising uh, in confined spaces. That's the problem. Yeah, but you think about it. If you've got an NFL player, every time that person comes into contact with a player on the field, they can spread the virus. So people make a big thing about handshakes and hugs after the game. Yeah. They've been in contact with each other for 60 minutes before then. So have been rolling around in the mud. <laughs> yeah, it's not about shaking hands and saying, well done after the match. This is about the, the general contact of the, of the game itself can, can cause the problem. You know, yeah, exactly. professional athletes sweat, professional athletes spit. 
there are bodily fluids that are oozing out of these guys when they're running around on the field. So you, naturally, you know, there are hard surfaces for the, for the virus to go to, a face mask, jersey, a shoulder pad, all these different things, you know, the bench, all this. So there's so many different ways that it can, it can, it can happen. And I think it, it's very lucky at this stage that it's only Tennessee. So I, I won't be surprised if, if the penalty is harsh, that the bubble situation develops pretty quickly if anybody else falls foul. Because I, the, the, the thing that you mentioned about it being different, I think the biggest mistake that leagues like the NFL have made, and I would say the Premier League have made, and I would say UEFA has made, is that they are determined to finish things this year on schedule. Yeah. Uh, creates an entirely different set of problems. So the Premier League now are trying to squeeze all the matches in terms of league football, the domestic cup competitions, all between now and May. And bearing in mind, they didn't start to the middle of September, so they're already six weeks behind. They're trying to cram everything in. UEFA and FIFA want the international calendar to run as well. So we've got three international games in an international break this weekend, which again is, is taxing on the players. You've got the Champions League that's starting late, so they're going to cram six weeks, six games in the Champions League into eight weeks, as opposed to six games in the Champions League into 12. They're going to try and finish that on time, i.e. May. And then the Euros are going to start in June, and they're not moving that. So they're, trying to, they're not prepared to move anything. And the NFL is the same. The NFL want the Super Bowl to be played in that first weekend of February, where, where it always is. And they want everything to run in, in the, the designated slot. I don't, I don't understand why. Why would you? Look at, look at your sport. So you did the Formula E. Everything was in a bubble. When you create that false environment, you can have a time scale that you know you can work to. Because yeah. nobody's going to catch the virus because they're not going anywhere. So you're okay. But if yeah. you and, 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 and you know what, Darren? Just going back on that and having experienced it, yeah. it works. Yeah, exactly. bubbling work. We you can't do it. Yeah, we had two. We had two people arrive in Berlin with it, and ironically, one was the head of one of the teams, and the other one was the actual CEO of Formula E. He was right. the gaffer, and they both caught it. They both isolated, and that's it. It shut down. They weren't allowed to mix with any member of any other bubble. And within the Formula E community, we usually travel with five thousand people. The Germans said you can have a thousand. So every team was on literally bare bones. And they turned the track into five separate bubbles, which you were only allowed to remain in. And if you crossed a bubble, you had to wear full, and I mean full PPE. Right. And the bubbles were replicated in the hotel, you which was like the white suits and all that. Full shebang, glasses, gloves, yeah. Uh, all, you, yeah. Hazmat, basically, all that gear. And it was replicated in the hotel. The bubbles weren't allowed to mix. We were told a diary and an itinerary of where we could eat on each day so that the bubbles didn't cross. All the coaches to and from the track were all separate. And once we were in the hotel, we weren't allowed to leave the hotel. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And it worked. No, that, no one came back to the UK yeah. with COVID. But if you do that, you can follow a plan and you can follow a calendar because you, exactly. you, you can guarantee that the event's going to take place. Exactly. You say to 150 people, just come and go as you please and go out and go to restaurants and do what you want and then come back into the facility and, you know, maybe we won't take this as seriously as we need to. You're inviting problems. But we're just going to have to wait and see. Tennessee are the team under the spotlight at the moment with the league. Um, and that's going to be a fascinating meeting when they do that. 
to see what any potential punishments are going to be and, and whether we're going to get this NFL season finished on time. I know that you've got a few subjects that you want to talk about, but I want to throw one your way to kick it off. All right. As this season develops, you fall deeper in love with the Buffalo Bills. It's oh. a, a budding romance at the moment, but it could be it, a full, fully-fledged fling by the time we get to about week eight. And then, oh, yeah. We'll be heavy patching in the deep end by the end of the season. Yes, Ted's going to be under pressure by week 10 because <laughs> there could be a new love in your life. <laughs> you are becoming more and more convinced. By I, I am, and I'll tell you why, and it's really, really simple, Darren. I think they're a very, very well-balanced team. Yeah. I think whatever offence is thrown at the defence, they cope, they manage. And Josh Allen, I think, and I was going through this earlier on this morning, I think Josh Allen is the best quarterback now to have been drafted since Mahomes and Jackson. Because the way he's playing the game, the way he's so calm under pressure, he's using his physical ability, his size, to gain extra yards. I mean, the man is putting his head forward in his slide, and I love that. You know, I, I, Fumbleites know that I love the physicality of American football because it's the one thing that attracted me to the game. Yeah. And it's seriously lacking at the moment, in my opinion. However, safety first, full last. But Josh Allen is the kind of quarterback for me who will take a pounding and wait for the last second to release the football. I think their running game's good. I think the defence is getting better. And I think once Josh Allen and his relationship with his receivers finally gels, becomes that 100% connection that you can rely on, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. See, I had this conversation this week with Internet Rich, our mutual friend, who's a Cleveland Browns fan. Yeah. I said to him, the word on the street before the draft was that John Dorsey, the general manager, had fallen in love with Josh Allen and that they were going to take Josh Allen. And Josh Allen was seen of the four quarterbacks that were deemed the big four to be the least NFL ready. So yeah. it was Baker Mayfield, it was Sam Darnold, it was Josh Rosen, and it was Josh Allen. And I keep saying to him, surely you'd have been happier with Josh Allen. And he's adamant that he likes Baker, because I don't think he doesn't like to say anything negative. But I think he is the best quarterback from that draft, because people look at it and you say, well, you know, Darnold's not got this, or Baker's not got that, or Rosen's never really had a chance. But Josh Allen went to a Buffalo Bills team that was really bad as well. But he, yeah. he's <laughs> to the point where he can help them. He's yeah. in the red zone. I think the ratio is 42 touchdowns and one, one um, turnover when he gets in the red zone. He runs the ball. He's got cannon for an arm. And I think what's great about them, they never throw it short. Every pass. It's like the Raiders in the 70s under Al Davis. Yeah, you know, we're going for the long bomb. We're looking for Stefan Diggs and John Brown, and we're going to sling it down the field. And Josh might take off, and if he runs, he's going to take on a linebacker. He's going to stick the shoulder in because he's a. Big oh my god, the the man is a beast. He's an absolute beast. Yeah, and he's only going to get better, isn't he? Yeah. You know, but but I think I think you watch his development, and and you know I feel like I'm repeating myself, but if you put that equation of Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield. When, remember when Baker Mayfield was the guy who was coming into the NFL? I said on the fumble, I said, Baker Mayfield won't make it because he likes to run the football all too often. He's that kind of quarterback. He, he sees, in my opinion, he sees run first, quite selfish, and then he drops down, does his checks, and then off he goes. He'll either throw the ball or screw it, run to the sidelines. 
And then everyone else that you mentioned there, all the other quarterbacks, they've just faded away because they've not had the, the help from the coaches, I don't feel. But Josh Allen has gone in there and he wasn't the best last year. He wasn't the best quarterback coming up his development stages of his career. But now, I don't know what the kind of conversations he's had. No, he, he is a special, special quarterback. Yes. And you know what, Vern? I, I, I'm, I always wrestle with this. And it's going to move us on. If you want to talk about Dak Prescott, it's probably a nice segue into... Yeah, I, I just want to talk about this season's quarterbacks in general. Yeah. But just on that, you know, when, when you look at a quarterback, I mean, my team, your team, we're, we're Bears fans. So we, we grew up on the 86 Bears. And statistically speaking, the quarterback of that team, Jim McMahon, was a middle-of-the-road NFL quarterback. But the Bears had this phenomenal record of winning games when he was the quarterback. I think they won something like 27 straight with him under centre. That doesn't mean they, they, they had a 27-game unbeaten run because he had a lot of injuries because of the way he played. So they tended to lose the games that he didn't play. So... The season they won the Super Bowl, they were 15-1 and one in the regular season. The one game they lost, he was on the sidelines. He was injured, so he came on late in relief, but it wasn't his game. But statistically speaking, he was average compared to Joe Montana, Dan Marino, the, the, the quarterbacks at the time. I've always wrestled with that. Do I want a winning quarterback or do I want a statistically brilliant quarterback? Because I think they're two different things. And I look at Josh Allen at the minute. If you've got Mahomes, you've got the total package. Statistically yeah. brilliant, and he wins. That, that's, yeah. that's, the, that's the perfect scenario. Yeah. Yeah. But I look at him now, Alan, and I say, well, all right, so the numbers might not stack up. You know, his completion percentage might be lower, or he might throw the odd turnover here and there. So in terms of efficiency, he can get better. But I look at him and I think, but he finds a way to win. So what else do I want? You know, when he went down the field against the Rams two weeks ago to get the game-winning drive, He'd not put a point on the board, really, in the second half, but he found a way to win that game. And I think there's a lot to be said if you've got a guy on the centre who can win you the game. All right, his numbers might not look great. And when you look down the list of QB ratings in the league, your fella might be down there towards the bottom. But if you're winning games with the regularity that Buffalo are, surely that's what you want from a quarterback. And when I see the draft, I see a lot of after timing, that they look at it later on and go, oh, yeah, well, we, we knew he won games. Yeah, but I watched your coverage and you said draft this guy because his numbers are better. But yeah. Won all the time. It's like Brady at Michigan. So Brady, when he came out, 199 overall. Physically, he, he looked terrible. Yeah. No strength, no speed. In terms of his numbers, there were better quarterbacks in the draft. But anybody who watched Michigan back then said, but he wins all the time. So draft him because that's what he's done in the league. If you're a winner, I'd sooner have a winner over a guy searching for perfection at the position, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, I, I totally agree. I, and, and I think that comes down to the chemistry between the quarterback and the head coach, or yeah. the quarterback, the head coach, and the offensive coordinator. Because those three people, they know best what is going to enable their quarterback to win a game. It's as simple as that. You know, because you could say... Listen, guys, statistically, our quarterback likes to throw it into the flat. His completion rate there is 95%. However, however, we have a shot at a 50-50 pass down the middle. We've got two minutes remaining. I would prefer it because of the mentality of our quarterback to go for that 50-50 because he's a winner. And I think we're going to do it under pressure. That's the kind of relationship you need. Can you deliver? The Bears beat the books on Thursday night, which is a great win, by the way, for Chicago. That, that legitimizes Dude. them, I think, as a team that can, 
that can have a, a better season than we thought. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I think they're a 10-win team now. I think they're probably a playoff team if they can maintain that level. But if you watch that 60 minutes... But just let me just let, quickly interrupt there. Doesn't it just go to show you the disrespect that Nick Foles has? Yeah. <laughs> around the league. What I was going to make, Vern, if you watch that game, he misses throws. And you, you look at him and think, well, Trubisky would have completed that one. So, what, you know, why is he in? But then when they needed him, he found a way to win, as he did in the Super Bowl against New England. He threw a couple of passes to, out of the little, they call them wheel routes, don't they, where the running back yeah. goes back to, to, to the side. He threw one to Cordero Patterson. That was my Achilles heel as free safety. <laughs> right. He threw one to Patterson and he threw one to Montgomery. And there's no quarterback in the history of the game that would have thrown those two passes better than he did. But he made mistakes during the course of it. But I'm looking at it thinking, if I'm a Bears fan, if I'm Matt Nagy, I want him. Because he knows how to win. So he goes on the field, no matter what he's doing, he's got a short memory. I think that's the thing. I think Josh Allen's got a short memory. They don't remember the mistakes. They just think, right, this is the throw I've got to make. And they, they try and make it. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But yeah. if, if, you, if, you, if you at least try, you're giving yourself a chance to win. And I think I've always been of that ilk that I want my QB to know how to win, to do everything he can to win. But you want to talk about the, the, the quarterback position a little bit more generally as well here, don't you? Yeah, because we all know how important the quarterback position is. And if you look around the league, there's a few big names. And Mitch Trubisky, to me, is a big name in the NFL, only because of the pressure that he was under uh, when the Bears drafted up to take him, okay, yeah. in that quarterback class. He's gone, right? Nick Foles is now under centre in Chicago. Rumour has it that Joe Flacco is going to be under centre at the Jets. So that's another young quarterback put on the sidelines. Only because Donald's injured. He'll play. Yeah, OK. But, 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 anyone would argue, anyone would argue that Donald isn't doing it in, in New York. All right? Simple as that. Come yeah. on. Uh, and then I watched, just out of curiosity, I watched in full the game with Philip Rivers on the centre in Indianapolis. And I watched Dak Prescott in Dallas. And everyone was saying, yeah, you know, they were so close. They had that big comeback game a uh, week prior. And I think, and this is a big statement, and Dallas Cowboy fans will hate me for hating, but I think Dak Prescott is absolutely dreadful. And I know you'll probably have some statistics which prove me otherwise, but it comes down to the fact that when he's under pressure... He misses the simplest of throws. Just stood in the quarter, in the, in the pocket, with time, a receiver running straight across him, and he'll throw it to the floor or he'll throw it five feet above him out of reach. He, I think he is the kind of quarterback that needs to go back to quarterback school and just go back to fundamentals. What did I say to you last year? You've, I, you've always said the same, Darren. Always he, said the same. He likes accuracy. And this yeah. is why he was drafted, I think he was round four. This yeah. is why. You've always said it. Always yeah. said it. He lacks, he lacks accuracy. He needs receivers with a big catch radius. So Des Bryant would have been perfect for him. A prime Des Bryant would have been brilliant because Des has got a long body, long arms, and Des could make catches where the accuracy wasn't an issue. He could make a quarterback look better. Yeah. He's quite lucky at the moment because he's, he's got a fantastic receiving core. C.D. Lamb's going to be a superstar. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. You could arguably say that they're the, the three best as a, as a group. As a group. In the whole league. They're certainly in the top three. 
so he's lucky in that regard. He's also got a big tight end in Dalton Schultz that's, that's, that's coming to the fore. So he, and he's got a good running back. But this is, this is why. He, he lacks accuracy and always has. He lacks it in college. He lacks it now. It's so obvious, Darren. So he needs the personnel around it, doesn't it? It's, it's yeah. obvious that he needs, he needs really good skill position players. So, and I think this is the reason why Dallas don't want to pay him the long-term contract. They don't want to I don't think he's a long I honestly don't think he's a long-term quarterback for them. They must see it that way because otherwise they'd pay him. Yeah. The, the, most, the first thing you do if you're an NFL franchise with people who are new to the game, the minute you get what they call a franchise quarterback, which is your quarterback bar an injury for the next 10 years, you pay them what they're worth to keep them there because that's what you need to win. And the teams that get to the playoffs every year are the ones that have good quarterbacks. Simple. Yeah. Quarterback league. Yeah. End off. Quarterback yeah. league. It's why the leash is short and why the money is high. And I think that's why they're not paying him. If, if, if he's the starter for Dallas for the next 10 years, Jerry Jones pays Dak Prescott. There's some reason why he's not doing it. And it might be exactly the point that you've just said there. Just, just give us those numbers that you gave me earlier on, Darren, about Dak Prescott and his statistics yeah. and how yeah. good they are. These are his season numbers. So he's, he's, in terms of attempts and completions, he's completed 137 of 201 passes. So his completion percentage is actually 68.2, which is not bad. 1,690 yards. He's averaging 8.4 yards a throw. And he's averaging 440 yards per game. So you can see the way that, that, that they're trying to play. Nine touchdowns, three interceptions. He's been sacked nine times. He's got a QBR rating, which is the one they kind of go for, of 76.1. And an overall quarterback rating of 102.6. Now, if you think that Pat Mahomes is, is career rating, I only know this because I've got it for something later on, is 109.4. So where Dak is at the moment in the early weeks of the season, despite the fact he's been lacking accuracy, he personally is having a pretty good year statistically. But then it comes back to that point of, go back to Josh Allen, when he needs to make the throw, is he making it? Now, Josh's yeah. numbers, percentages, won't be anything like that. But when he needs one, he finds one. Yeah. That's what I mean. So, yeah. you know, yeah. let me try and find that while you're, while you're making your point. And I'll see where Josh Allen compares. Because I think yeah. that's... I think that's a fascinating because they're, they're they're opposites, aren't they? In many ways. Yeah, and then you know you look at the situation in uh, in San Diego. Wow. You know, uh, Herbert is now on the centre, and I think he's another great cross prospect in the NFL. I think he's got a future, pocket passer. Okay, so let me give you this then. So so we've said, and we're exactly right in what we've said. The knock on Josh Allen coming out, not quite NFL ready, lacks accuracy, all the things that have been said. So listen to his numbers this year. This is year two, right? Year two in a team that has nowhere near, not in the same postcode, weapons as the Dallas Cowboys, right? No. He's completed 105 of 148, 70.9% Josh Allen. For 1,326 yards. He's averaging nine yards a pop, 352 yards a game. He's thrown 12 touchdowns and one interception. Wow. His QBR rating is 89.8, and his overall rating is 122.7. So How many times has he been sacked, does it say? Yeah, it does. Um, he's been sacked nine times. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. Because so, I was going to say, well, maybe Dak Prescott is under more pressure when he drops back, but obviously not. No. So, so he statistically is streaks ahead with inferior players. Now, I'm yeah. not saying that Stefan Diggs and John Brown aren't really good players. They are. But they're not Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb. Yeah. Um, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are all right, but they're not Zeke Elliott. 
and the Bills' offensive line is okay, but it's not <laughs> Dallas's offensive line. Okay, so you know. And, and by the way, Sean McDermott, the head coach, defensive coordinator before he's a head coach. Yeah. Mike McCarthy, offensive guru of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. So everything's stacked in Prescott's favour, yet Josh Allen is significantly outperforming. Yeah, it's crazy. That's one to watch. I think Dak Prescott, towards the end of this season, I think I, I, I think his agent is going to be on the phone a lot to yeah. Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, 100%. The other one I've got concern about is, is, is uh, our mutual friend, Mr Brady, in Tampa Bay. And I watched yeah. him in Chicago and Khalil Mack moved into Brady's house on Thursday night. <laughs> and and he, he, was, he was in Tom Terrific's face all the way through. I, I'm getting a look at that and I'm thinking, this is all okay, this for Tampa. When things are going well, Brady's okay. But when things are slightly off, I'm not sure. He was, he was harassed and very, very unsettled by Chicago on Thursday night. And... I know the Bears' pass rush is okay. I know that Khalil Mack is a superstar, but they've not been getting to the quarterback like that. And mm. he didn't get to, they didn't get to Rivers like that the week before. So what is it? I don't know. And what, what I, I, I don't know about this. What, what I did see, it's been a huge talking point in the US. The final play of the game, he doesn't know it's fourth down. Yeah, I find that fascinating. Right. Weird. He didn't know. So he's turned around to the ref and he's put four fingers up to say, this is fourth down. No, you just had fourth down. And he had a check down that would have got the first down. He had a wide open guy on, on the sticks who he would, would have dumped it off and got four more goes. All right, clock's running. But he completely discombobulated under pressure, uh, guy, which I don't think I've ever seen that from Tom Brady. When the lights shine brightest, he's the best there's ever been. And he. Exactly. He didn't know it was fourth down, and he's gone for the shot down the, down the field. He's got the check down. He got time. He thinks he's on third down. He completely lost um, all train of thought as to where the game actually was. And I think it's because Khalil Mack was in his head. All the way through yeah. the game, Khalil Mack was introducing himself to Tom Brady, and he just went. And I thought, that's not him. And he flat out refused to answer the question in the press conference after. Somebody asked him, did you know it was fourth down? And he answered a completely different question. I didn't have a, didn't have a bar of it after that. What was interesting, a few of the commentators in the US would say that Tom Brady, at the ripe old age of, of, of 40-odd plus, he just had a senior moment. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Bears fans like to say, Vern, that he was being very gracious and was putting four up for that being the fourth win of the season <laughs> Chicago. But what he did do after that as well, he ran straight off the field. Nick Foles waited around for a handshake. Yeah, that's bad Brady, form. Tom Brady's never beaten Nick Foles, by the way, as an NFL quarterback. And the Bears have never beaten Tom Brady. So something had to give that night. And people said, oh, it's because of COVID. Because of the protocols. He didn't... Rubbish. He spent 20 minutes on the field with Justin Herbert the week before after the Chargers game. But he'd won yeah. that game, Brady. He'd won yeah. that game. So on this occasion, he balls it up. Didn't know it was fourth down. He's then refused to go and see the other quarterback who stood out there waiting for him. Not a good Thursday night for Al Thomas. No, it wasn't. And disappointing. And, and, and disappointing that Tom didn't hang around to shake Nick Foles' hand because of all the people in the NFL, Tom Brady, for me, is the ultimate competitor and you would hope the ultimate sportsman. And shaking hands at the end with your fellow QB 
and head coach is something that you've got to do when you're the leader of a team. And I thought, you know what? That's on bad form, my friend. Bad yeah. form. I hope, I wouldn't put my mortgage on it, but I hope that he would have formed Nick Foles or made contact with him or a representative and said, look, it's Tom. I apologise, my friend. Yeah. I really do. Do you think he regrets the decision he made to go to Tampa? No. No. Think he's no. no, I don't. I don't. Right. Because everything that's come with this Tampa Bay package, apart from playing for Tampa Bay, is positive in the Brady family's <laughs> life. Did you just say everything that comes with the Tampa Bay package, apart from playing for Tampa Bay? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because if you look at it, he's in Tampa, he's in yeah. Florida, right? And yeah. now, now is the time of year where it starts to get cold up in Boston, right? But he's hired this amazing palatial pad that Derek Jeter used to own, or still yeah. does own. On the beachfront, he's got his wife there, he's got his kids there, the sun is shining, everything is set up for him to be comfortable in Tampa Bay. And I think it's just first-year nerves at a brand-new team under a new head coach who, who seems to know what he wants, but doesn't know what's available to him from Tom Brady just yet, even though it's Tom Brady. Yeah. So what he wants going on. What he wanted to do then was pack up the Patriots organisation into a, a series of articulated lorries and drive them to Tampa Bay, and then he would yeah, have... like those iconic scenes when 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 was it the Colts? Yeah, when the Colts moved out of Indianapolis yeah. for the first time. Yeah, <laughs> and I did notice too this week that, that one or two of the the, the Brady sympathisers were saying, "Oh yeah, but Chris Godwin didn't play, and OJ Howard didn't play, and and they're a bit well, hang on a minute." He never had any receivers in, in New England. He won the Super Bowl every year. Brady's the no. best in the business. And uh, no disrespect to any of them. He never really had a running back that was. No, no. so don't give me that. One. Don't tell me he's not there. That's what exactly. he's all about. Exactly. The, 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 pers the team personnel, honest, the team personnel in New England changed more times yeah. than anything else in the history of anything else. Exactly. It was unbelievable. Exactly. Exactly. It was crazy. So that's no excuse. Tom Brady wins with whoever's around him because yeah. he has been that quarterback who's versatile enough to change and adapt. Yeah. But I think, I think the relationship is between him and the head coach. I think that's where the sticky bit is. Yeah. I really me, do. And there's me, already, you know, I think in week two or three, there were questions about a beef going on between them both. Yeah. Well, is it, Arian's the coach for people who don't know. I mean, Brady, when he was in New England... Josh McDaniels got the ball out of his hand quickly and there were, there were lots of short, quick passes. Not quite the West Coast offence, but a variation of it. Didn't stay in the pocket too long. Brady's always been a quarterback that struggled when he's under pressure. New England know that, so they've, they've never put him in the situation. Baltimore always had his number in that regard because Ray Lewis could get them into the defensive scheme that put him under pressure. So that, that was always a fascinating battle. But when you look at a Bruce Arians offence, he wants the quarterback to stay in the pocket because he wants to take the deep shot down the field. Brady's not comfortable with that. So if the offensive line's not working well, and it didn't on Thursday, Tristan Wirfs, the rookie, was absolutely manhandled by... Oh, he, he got bossed. He yeah. got absolutely bossed. And then he got thrown to the floor, by yeah. the way. A little hit check, wasn't it? Over the old little hit oh, check. My God. So when he's in that position, Brady, he's uncomfortable. So I wonder whether Arians has got to take a look at it and go, we need an offence that's a lot more like the one he had in New England. I mean, I don't know why you'd get the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL and say, you're going to do it my way. I would surely think you get the best quarterback in the NFL and say, we'll do it your way and you can win us a Super Bowl. I mean, it's just... Darren, it's a simple conversation. Yeah. Hi, Tom, it's Bruce. Do you want to go and get some chicken wings and have a chat? Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Exactly, yeah. Coach. 
right, so when what we get there, on a napkin. You have a Sunday, Tom? What suits you on a Sunday? Well, exactly! I'd like to take a three-step drop and I'd like to throw it short to Rob Gronkowski or the running back, if that's okay. Well, yeah. I was thinking you could take a seven-step drop and you could wait for him to run 70 yards down the field and risk getting decapitated by the outside linebacker. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to do that because I'm 43 and I won't last five minutes. Exactly. Here, here's a napkin. Write down what you want. And when we yeah. get our Super Bowl ring, I'm going to frame it with the napkin. And P.S., I've already got the bill. I've already paid for the wings. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, yeah you exactly. Yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, let's see how that relationship progresses. You know, yes. uh, I, I've got them as division. Uh, uh, they're going to win the division. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, fingers crossed, I've got money on them winning the conference, but that's but not going to happen. did say so. you won't see the best of them until week seven, week eight. We did say that. Yeah, you did. Say yeah. That. And, and that's even more so, bearing in mind they've got to get healthy again. So I think we're, we're ahead of that one, which is yeah. good. Let me give you some numbers for this week. They're not, they're not yes. good. We're a little bit later in the week, so they're not quite as impactful as they would have been. Um, just on your bills, it's the first time in 16 years. So you're kind of going back to the Jim Kelly days. First time in 16 yeah. years that they've scored 27 points in four straight games. So back then it was the K-Gun offense of Thurman Thomas and Andre Reid and, and Jim Kelly and all that, that, that. But now we're talking about a Buffalo offensive team that's doing more than they've done for a hell of a long time. 16 years since they've been this good offensively. We talk about the Dallas Cowboys. We talked about Dak Prescott. They've got a massive problem, Vern, on defence. They're allowing a passer rating this season of 114.3. Patrick Mahomes' career passer rating is 109.4. And you think how good he is every week. Quarterbacks are even better than that against this Dallas Cowboy defense this year. So Dak's going out there on a Sunday thinking, I only need 45 points and then we might have a chance to win, which is a lot of pressure on an offensive staff when the defense is that bad. So that, that basically, anybody who thinks Dallas are going to do anything this year, forget it. You cannot play defense that badly and win in the NFL. Just impossible. Do you think that's a slip on Jerry Jones? And the way he manages the team with personnel. I, or have they been unlucky in the way they've drafted? Have they been unlucky with injuries? Because they can't seem to have a healthy linebacking core. Well, missing Leighton Van Der Esch's huge, isn't it? He's the heartbeat yeah. of the defence and he's injured pretty much every year. The defensive secondary for Dallas is appalling. They lost Byron Jones last year, which was, which was big. Well, they can't get it right. They've not been able to get it right for a long time. I think they've gone down the route of, and a lot of people subscribe to this, that the way to win in the NFL this season is to put points on the board, or the way to win in the, in the modern NFL is to put points on the board. But the best teams get the balance right, that they don't neglect the defence. And when I look at Dallas at the moment, there just aren't enough game changers, consistent yeah. players defensively, for them to be competitive. You know, it's all right thinking we're going to be involved in shootouts, but that shootout can't mean you've got to get 40-plus to be in the game. It's all right. We used to say with Green Bay, didn't we, when Rodgers was, was flying. And I suppose we're kind of back to that this year. You now know that Green Bay are going to get 28 points. Yeah. Defensively, you know you've only got to limit them to less than that and you win. Yeah. Dallas are at the other end of the scale. They're thinking, well, we're giving up 40-odd every time we play. So that's just too much for anybody to cope with. And just on that, before th 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 these, I did these numbers for the end of last year, the end of last week. So I'm not incorporating Thursday, but I think they still apply. 
every game this season has featured at least two touchdowns. Every game that's been played so far has had at least two touchdowns. And before the Monday and Thursday games, 3,151 points have been scored in the league, which is an average of 51.7 points per game. Per game. Hang on, hang on, hang on. The fumble yeah. actually need that again, Darren. Yeah. So before Monday and Thursday, and Monday night was a high-scoring game, by the way. Yeah. 3,151 points have been scored combined of all the games played so far this season, which averages 51.7 points per game. Wow. The days of 13-10 are long gone, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting late 80s and early 90s Super Bowl scores every week. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewellery of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweller since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day. Stay at Whole Foods Market. This week, Vern, I was at a loose end. I got all nostalgic. The first ever game I ever went to see live was the American Bowl at Wembley in the rain in 1986 between our beloved Chicago Bears and Dallas. Um, first time I'd ever been to Wembley. First time I'd ever seen an NFL game. Hang on, hang on. First time you'd ever been to Wembley yeah, at all? American football or just no, in general? Never been. Oh, wow. First Wembley trip, yeah, ever. And first time I'd seen a, a, an American football game. I'd seen the, the Nottingham Hoods, but it, that, that really wasn't American football. It, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't the best. So I watched it back last week, and we got a real treat for Fumbleites next week. That a, a man called Gary Francis, who, who works with, with us at BT Sport on the Premier League coverage now, for a company called Sunset and Vine. They were the, they were the production company that, that did the NFL. Yeah, throughout the whole of the 80s and the 90s. Right. So Gary produced all that. So his name was on the credits at the end. Gary Francis, the producer, Gary yeah. Francis. So he's going to come on next week and he's going to tell us all the stories about you know, employing Frank Gifford because Frank Gifford presented it from Wembley with John, yeah, he did. Smith, with John Smith, who dropped in during a conversation with Frank Gifford that he lived next door to Bill Parcells. So <laughs> a former kicker of the New England Patriots who's on Channel 4 lives next door to Bill Parcells, which was mad. So Gary's going to come on. He's going to talk us through the the halcyon days of, of covering the NFL in the 80s, which I think will be great to listen yeah, to. Yeah, it will. And it'd be nice to know, it'd be nice to know why they went from Frank Gifford to the, was it the Nasty Boys? The nasty Boys, yeah. yeah. Like, what was all that about? That was such a weird kind of 180 turn on, on what American football coverage was. And I think they tried to attract a new audience. Vern, what about this, right? So there, there were, I, I, I was on the treadmill while I was watching, so I was listening to it too. I was really, really involved in it. So it was Dick Enberg and Merlin Olsen, the commentary team, and they had yeah. Tex Schramm, the old Cowboys owner, in the booth with them for the fourth quarter, talking about 
playing games in Europe. And this was like the first time they'd done it properly. So fascinating to hear all that. They'd called the Super Bowl, the two of them, when the Bears beat the, the Patriots. <clears throat> and I didn't realise, I probably did at the time, but I've forgotten. I didn't realise that the, the audience, in fact, let me ask you, what do you think the audience, Channel 4's audience, in the wee small hours of January the 26th, which was the 27th over here, 1986. What do you think the audience was for that Super Bowl? For the Bears Patriots Super Bowl? Yeah. In, okay. It kicked off about one o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> All right. So, this might be a, a, a shock from the lightning for NFL fans listening to the podcast, okay? Yeah. Because we do live in an American football bubble. We know that. We're, we're a special breed American football fans in the UK. Especially. So exactly. So I'm going to pop the bubble for NFL fans, and I apologise. The Super Bowl gets very, very few viewers on either Sky or the BBC. The highlights packages get a lot more. Okay? Yeah. But people that actually tune in, it's just now starting to get to a decent number that's respectable. Come on, this, this, I, I want to. So I, I would say, in 1986, yeah. I'd say 250,000. Hey, 12 million. What? Viewing audience for Super Bowl 20 on Channel 4 was 12 million in the UK. They gave the numbers out on the broadcast. 12 million Brits tuned into Channel 4 to watch Super Bowl 20. Yeah. 12 million. All right, now let me explain how relatable that is. <laughs> well, Matthew the Cup Dancing Final gets 11.5 million. There you go. 12 million. Britain's Got Talent was on last night. That would have done the final probably 7 or 8 million. Super Bowl 20 on Channel 4 after midnight got 12 million. That's what they said on the broadcast. Oh my gosh. 12 million, Vernon. That's outrageous. When people talk about the NFL boom in the 80s and people go, oh, more, more people are interested now. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. This was on the verge no. back then of becoming one of the main sports in the UK. When you think of the number of participants who were playing in wow. the league as it was then, and wow. companies like Budweiser would say, we'll sponsor the league. And all of the local teams had big sponsors. So the Birmingham Bulls. Yeah, yeah. By Carlton, right? the, Le the Leicester Panthers were sponsored by Everards. The London Ravens had a big sponsor. They all had big yeah. sponsors. They're all bringing Americans over because they could afford them. Because yeah. they were getting five and 6,000 through yeah. the game to watch the games. So you're yeah. thinking about League One, League Two football capacities. We're yeah. going to watch American football matches on a Sunday afternoon. 26,500 26 watched the American Bowl between the Manchester All-Stars and the London Ravens. Domestic. There you go. Domestic, which is a championship stroke Premier League attendance. Yeah. I reckon when I won my last one in 2014, there were probably six and four sheep. There you go. So what I'm saying is that is astonishing. And they, they were like, we can't believe it. So the American guys who were commenting, I can't believe it. Cannot believe it. You know, it's astonishing that, that the interest of this in this country for this sport. They were blown away by it. So you can see why back in 86, the thought process was already there of, we've got to get games over there. We've, yeah. got, to, we've got to do it. 
Yeah. And it, it, it was fascinating. I, I, it's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's there. Just go and... We'll do. And, and maybe, you know, once we start to get some sense of reality, or maybe we'll just get him on the Zoom, we should talk to Alistair Kirkwood about that yeah. and the development of the game and the misperceptions that American football fans have in the UK that he has to deal with. You see, what I would say, though, Vern, on that, and you've just given some numbers there about Strictly come dancing and, and, and Britain's Got Talent, and I mentioned Match of the Day and all that. Obviously, back then, we had four television channels. Yeah, of course, of course. So, there was nothing... Well, well, Darren, I think, I think the level of that is, it's, it's at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, but nothing else was on. It would have been the test card on BBC Two. That yeah. <laughs> so it would have been that, and then it would have been, I don't know, whatever it was, but nothing else would have been on. So you've got to put that caveat in, that there were only four channels, and... Yeah. There was nothing else to watch at that time of, of the night. So if you were going to watch anything, you were going to watch the Super Bowl. But still, the fact that the audience was 12 million is, is absolutely mad. And you can see why the NFL are so driven to, to unconvinced that terrestrial TV should be more interested than they have been in a product yeah. that used to score so well. So you can imagine in the NFL offices in, in the US, they must sit down and pour through these figures from the 80s and go, well, 12 million watched Super Bowl 20. What on, what, why are they not snapping our hands off here to buy the product and put it on terrestrial telly? Yeah. It's changed. It's changed. And I, now, what I would say is, and I don't want to get all deep, and we could perhaps talk about this next week because we're running out of time. I think the way the NFL is sold over here is different now. We've made it niche. We're back yeah. then. We relied on the superstars of the league to sell the league. So back in 85... 86, when you got 12 million, everybody talked about Walter Payton and Jim McMahon and the refrigerator. Everybody talked about these guys. Darren, you and I have had this conversation right. over many a Bud Light at the Super Bowl. Right, now, we're trying and, to... And, and this, but this debate that you and I are having together is a debate that we both believe in. It's a, it's a debate we both stand by. If we were to debate this with anyone, you and I would be side by side, literally hand in hand, telling people you need to sell American football still to this day, 2020, on the glitz, the razzmatazz and the star players. Exactly. Forget the X's and O's. Forget what a wheel route is. Forget about fucking yards, yards and yards and yards. No one gives a shit. No. Nobody gives a shit because still, to this day, no one knows what American football is. And those, those numbers that I've just given you tell you that. The 12 exactly. million people back then didn't know what the XML exactly. was. And so 20, when someone... Wait, well, Vern, when, Vern, and 26,500 people in that ground watching the Brit Bowl final had no idea why they were doing it. They just enjoyed what they were doing. Exactly. That's the difference. I've always said, Vern, one of, the, one of the national sports in this country is rugby union, right? Yeah. I enjoy watching the Six Nations. I have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. If I want to learn the rules, I'll go and do it. But I actually enjoy the product. I like to see the winger go. I like to see the ball being thrown. I don't know why they're doing it. I don't know what a penalty means. I don't know yeah. why the ref's blown the whistle and the fellow's having a kick. I've got no idea. So yeah. you don't have to understand every sport intricately. You can actually just enjoy it for what it is. No. And some of the biggest superstars in sport in the world play in the National Football League. And that is the way to grow the sport. That's why Chappers and OC and Jason have such a successful program on a, on a Saturday because that's what they do. That's the modern day version of Channel 4 at 6 o'clock on a Sunday. They are giving you big names. They're giving you interesting stuff. They're giving you stories, backstories. They're making it real and they're making it big 
and that's yeah. why we all love it. That's why yeah. that program is what it is. And it's so important, that program, to the development yeah. of NFL, American football in the UK. They've got to keep that going. And those well, people do a wonderful job. When we talk about, when we talk about um, the American ball in 86, right, next week, we should talk about that they had, they had one key thing every week that I, I was desperate to watch. And that was those amazing montages that they had. They had probably the hit of the week. Yep. You know, and I still remember to this day, Cindy Lauper, and I feel your true colours. And they did a piece on Vinnie Testaverde and how shitty he was. Right. But because it was to that tune, Cindy Lauper, True Colours, I will never forget it. Every time I hear it, I just see Vinnie Testaverde. I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one. The year the Bears won the Super Bowl, Marcus Allen was league MVP. Astonishingly, not anybody from the, from the Bears team. Marcus Allen set a new NFL rushing record for successive games with 100 yards. And Marcus Allen's speciality was the leap over the pile on the goal line. That's so right, yeah. Montage of Marcus Allen doing all this to Rocket Man by Elton John. Perfect. Whenever I hear that song now, I think Marcus Allen. The Rocket yeah. Man, to me, is Marcus Allen because I watched yeah. it in 85. I watched yeah. the montage with the music and the power of that is, is great. It's why we, we finish the season every year at the Champions League and we've got a wonderful producer on, on, at BT Sport called Kevin Evans. And he makes, he does the Champions League story over a track for the last five minutes. An hour, the last thing you see after the Champions League final, Gary says goodbye, is this montage. Because it's so powerful. Fans watch it and go, wow. Yeah. They watch that back more than they watch back highlights of the bloody game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But those, that kind of thing is so powerful. Yeah, and, those Sunset and Vine montages at the end of... What was it? Red 42, I think there was a period that the NFL show was called on Channel 4. Red 42, even the days with the nasty boys, the montages that they edited together. And you've got to remember, they were quick edits. They were really quick cuts to a tune. Yeah. Those edits were done on film. They weren't digital. They were yeah. done on film. So someone has spent a damn furlong good amount of time editing he will them. Tell us. He will tell us. And I'm going to give you one line I'd forgotten he played. And I watched it back and it was brilliant. So we're at Wembley. And the commentators have no idea of, 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 of the name. So they're just, they're just they're no reference to it. So we're at Wembley in England, and the Dallas Cowboys had a wide receiver called Gordon Banks playing at Wembley. <laughs> and, and he dropped it. He dropped a pass. And, the, and he just said, oh, and the ball's gone through Gordon Banks' hands. And I was thinking, for the first time, Gordon Banks is an all-time great. But they actually had a wide receiver called Gordon Banks playing in 86. <laughs> and he was dropping passes. Brilliant. And I was thinking, nowadays, you'd put that in the commentary, wouldn't you? Oh, you of course you would. But they didn't know. I, I don't know whether Gary even knows that. He was on there, though. Gordon Banks was on there. And I've forgotten as well that the Bears' starting offensive line was pretty much intact in the fourth quarter and still playing. Wow. So it was mad. Because my recollection of being there was we only saw him for a couple of drives and they all disappeared. No, they didn't. Richard Dent came in to try and block a field goal in the fourth quarter. He stood behind the line like this, big 95. <laughs> to watch it back again, we got a lot more value for money than I think we all felt at the time. A lot yeah. of the starters were still on there later on. Well, I mean, those American balls, when the, I think the 49ers played the Dolphins, I mean, we didn't even see Joe Montana and Dan Marino. No. no. Unbelievable. No. But, it's fact, but I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to speaking to Gaz next week and putting those figures to him and getting his perspective back then 
Yeah. Just what a juggernaut this sport was in the UK yeah. and, and what yeah, it was yeah. building to. I wonder whether he's got any ideas why it crashed as spectacularly as it did before mm. the rebirth, which is what we're, yeah. what we're experiencing now. It'll be fascinating yeah, yeah. to try and work that out. Yeah, nice. All right, Darren. Well, uh, we, we, we said that we would only chat for 30 minutes. We've done it <laughs> So Simon Cross has got some editing to do. As always, a shooting sharp production. Congratulations on spanking my bare bottom last week in, in fantasy. Yeah, get in, you beauty! My ass is still red raw. I am 4-0, I think you'll find, in that league, my friend. Joe yeah. trade big night for him. So that was yeah. all he, Everyone goes off in our WhatsApp group. He traded Joe Mixon for Alvin Kamara. Everyone's like, no, nah, it'll never happen. Joe Mixon, 35 points, bosh. I also oh. got Kenny, Kenny Golladay and David Montgomery. Let's not... Let's not I know what people say, well, of course, he's, of course he's on the wrong end of it. I actually got two more for... Good old Alvin, Alvin and the chipmunks, so we're all right. Yeah, and my, my fantasy team is biting me on the arse because after last year drafting six quarterbacks and hoping yeah. that people would trade for a quarterback, I drafted one quarterback who's garbage in Drew Brees. <laughs> and I'm just, last week I played Jared Goff, who was awful. After a great 28 points the previous week, I thought, here we go, we're on a roll. So I've, I've taken Crossy and you in successive weeks, so I am I the podcast know. champion at least, no matter what happens from here. I have bragging rights in this room. And we'll, I tell you what, though, talking about Joe Mixon, we've got a lad in our league called, called Cotters, Alec Cottingham, who's a, who's a mate of mine. He's a big Bengals fan. And he's got a great team name because his team name is called Mixon Mitoasties. Brilliant. Yeah, Mixon Mitoasties. So I really like that one. Brilliant. That's good. I, yeah. I, think, I think any team that uh, you, you can make up a fantasy team, but as long as it's on a par with my ball, Zach Ertz, uh, I think. I think you're going to struggle for what a fancy thing. That that's an absolute cracker. Classic. That one, my balls, Zachers. I love that. <laughs> what, a way to, what a way to finish a podcast. I can guarantee your entire broadcasting career, you've never finished anything you've ever done with that statement or anything like that. No. no. <laughs> my balls, Zachers. It's probably the best fantasy team name ever. Yeah, it is. Uh, but on that bombshell, Darren, have a great Sunday. I look forward to the WhatsApp banter when uh, when we get into the red zone a little bit later on with our dear friend, the beloved Scott Hansen. I know you always you always love a bit of Scott Hansen on a Sunday afternoon. When he puts that witching hour thing, I want to kick the television. Oh, I love it! See, I love it! It's the witching hour. Here we go. Nine games, nine hours. We're live. Let's go. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. I've got a trainer going straight through the flat screen at that point. Oh, I love it. I, I do. do you know what? One of my goals in life, and it'll never happen, but it, it, it's going to be on my bucket list. I would love to get absolutely shit-faced with Scott Hampson. Because he's squarer than Mr. Square. I think, right, if you even tried that, I think half a pint in, he'd be anybody's. Uh, it would have to be communal wine, but I would love to get absolutely rat-ass with Scott Hansen because like I, he's got some stories. I'd like to go to the hairdressers with him. Yeah. How long he's in there. But, but, but just quickly, like, I mean, Darren, you, you, you've made your money in live broadcasting, okay? I've done a fair bit of live telling myself. Yeah. That's not an easy gig that that guy has got. No, it's not. I'm not That's saying the respect we've got to pay him. No, he is brilliant. But he just, he just reminds me of, of, a, of, a, of a character in Dynasty with Joan Collins years well, ago. He, he reminds me of a, an evangelical preacher where, where his religion is football. If somebody said that they're going to redo it and he's going to play Blake Carrington, I'd go, yeah, fine. <laughs> no, that's not good. <laughs> that's, that's it. 
Is that is that so? Simon Cross is showing us literally Scott's desk behind in front of a green screen. Is that it, Simon? Is that yeah. where he worked? Yeah. Which is the way. Wow. They, that's the way they do match of the day now as well. Wow, that's mad. Yeah. I, I I don't know how anyone could work. I'd like to watch those two do the program there. That would be fun. Oh, can you imagine? I'd like to see these two at it. You're like Dick and Dom all over again. Simon and his son Michael. Lovely. He won the league last year, by the way. So Michael. Yeah, he did. He won our he league last year. So. All right, Darren. I'm going to go and uh, say some prayers to Jesus as it's Sunday. But I, I will bid you farewell, brother. Have a lovely day. Lots of love, Simon. See you soon. That's one, guys. Thanks for keeping it short. <laughs> deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.